Hello everyone and welcome to the second episode of the Uncut Gems David Lynch Retrospective. I'm the host of this retrospective, I'm Nicolo Grasso, and I'm joined by Jakub Flash. How are you doing, Jakub? Hi, I'm doing very well, thanks. <laughs> yeah, we're very excited, very excited to be continuing this marathon, year-long marathon, with Lynch's work. And today we have a guest that's joining us, Clappers, uh, Hilary White. How are you, Hilary? I'm, I'm doing well, I'm here, and uh, I'm ready to talk some serious... I guess early Lynch. Yeah, yeah. Before before we get into it, just I'm I'm very curious to know what do you think about David Lynch? Like, do you when did you first discover him throughout the many years of movie watching and going deeper into the rabbit hole of cinema? Where does he stand for you? Just a little bit. Uh, I think the very first film I saw of his that I remember vividly was Mulholland Drive, which is a really good place to start. And I saw it, I mean, during high school, which seems to be like the prime time to see that kind of thing um, and figure out that there's other filmmakers out there. And uh, it's probably, I would say it's probably my favorite. I do like The Elephant Man quite a bit and rewatching it made me love it even more. But I think when I look at the grand scale of things, even though I wouldn't say like I'm a hardcore Lynch fan or I don't always talk about Lynch. Um, he's probably, he's a very important director to me. Like if you look at um, the amount of movies of his that he's made that I've watched compared to other directors who are, I'd say even more popular than him, I've seen more of his stuff than other people's. And I think it's because they're really, really odd. They can't be explained. They're very dreamlike, but he lets you live inside of them. It's like some, for some reason I feel welcome. And there's other directors who do the same thing and I can't explain why I can't, I can't actually can't do it. I, um, there's even very acclaimed directors who do like dreamlike stuff. And I'm like, I can't, I feel like this is, I'm, it's closed off. I can't be it. And with Lynch, I, I do. And I can't fully explain why. So he's, mm. He's a big deal to me, actually. Um, although I like never really thought about it until um, more recently, and uh, I respect him quite a bit as a person. I think I give him a wider berth than other people too. <laughs> so that's part of the reason why I'm here. Yeah, and we're very happy to have you on board. And I do think, like we last month, we talked about Eraserhead, and one of the conclusions that we reached is that he manages to make surrealism very emotional, which goes against the Surrealist Manifesto. Um, and this emotional core is just present throughout his entire filmography, which leads us to what some would consider not only his most accessible film, but also his most emotional film, mm -hmm. The Elephant Man from 1980. How do I look? Splendid. Are you? Will not look out of place. You look absolutely splendid. Splendid. Shall we go? Yes. Again, I can't tell you how sorry I am for what happened. See, I had no idea. Really. Please, you, you mustn't blame yourself. Mr. Trees, don't worry about me, my friend. I am happy every hour of the day. My life is full. Could I know that I am loved? 
The Elephant Man was released in 1980, of course, directed by David Lynch, starring Anthony Hopkins and John Hurt. And it was easily his biggest movie for a while because this ended up winning Academy, was nominated for seven Academy Awards. It was a massive success worldwide and it brought a real life story to popular audiences. And the way the movie came together is incredibly fascinating because Eraserhead was a midnight success. Everyone started talking about it. Everyone started watching it throughout America for a year or so. And while that was happening, you have Mel Brooks, of all people, who wanted to diversify himself because he was like, okay, everyone knows me for my comedy. I want to do something different. I want to do something new, more dramatic, but no one is going to take me seriously. So I'm going to make a production company that's going to produce more artistic, compelling, different, unique movies that are not comedies. And I want someone to direct this script that I have, which is pretty good, which is The Elephant Man. And someone recommended to him to go watch Eraserhead. And he watched Eraserhead and he thought, that's the, that's the guy I want for my Elephant Man movie. Which is bizarre, to say the least. But like he fought hard to keep Lynch on the project. No one really believed in him. It was just this weird guy who made a super cheap movie that was a success. They gave him a big production shot primarily, if not entirely, in the UK with a British British crew, British cast. Anthony Hopkins hated working with Lynch. The, ed- like the studio heads wanted to change things in the edit. They're like, some parts are too weird. There's this, like, our weird surrealist moments in the opening. Just remove them. And bless him, Mel Brooks said, no. Like, I'm showing you the movie just as a favor, as a courtesy. I'm just showing you a first cut because that's what I have to do. But we're not changing shit. (laughs) And so now we have The Elephant Man, this fictional retelling of the true story of John Merrick, uh, a a man who was born with severe physical deformities. He was shown off as a circus freak, and he was later saved by a doctor named Dr. Frederick Treves who is played in the movie by Anthony Hopkins. And it's a very touching, deeply human and humane film. And I'm very excited to talk about it with both of you today. So, Hilary, why don't you go first? What do you think of The Elephant Man? What you said earlier about it being an emotional film, I think it's. I think it was even more emotional for me. And I'm not someone who necessarily like cries during films or gets so involved that I'm having, you know, huge emotional reactions to what's happening in that way. And watching it again, I actually, I almost started crying during certain scenes, even though I'd seen it a few times before. And uh, what you said about it um, being humane, all these kind of things um, in this work are incredibly touching to me. And I think very, um, I mean, topical for today, because it's a lot about um, kindness and acceptance in the face of so much exploitation and hatred. And uh, it's, I think it's, um, it's almost kind of like a respite from the real world, you know, in a weird way, even though it's not necessarily a happy movie or an uplifting movie. It's very, very tender. And it's very, um, it's, there's so much kindness in it. And it's so strange to associate that with Lynch. Um, I guess we'll get into it more, but yeah, it hit me a lot more um, 
that like a lot more deeply than I thought it would even though yeah it wasn't the first time and uh other people who've seen it I know have like definitely cried during it or said like I can never watch it again because it's just so heartbreaking in some uh in some scenes so overall those are my my opening impressions yeah that's me crying during the movie <laughs> how about you Jakub <laughs> oh I mean, I said I said it in the previous episode. I mean, like my my relationship with, with David Lynch is kind of long. But however, the the Elephant Man came into my life quite late. As in, I mm-hmm. haven't I haven't seen it when I was like when I was in my teens. I was on a massive sort of David Lynch kick, as you do, right? That's what so that's what that's what you do when you're seventeen. You discover David Lynch and and think that you know, like this is you know. That's 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 the peak for some of us. It remains the peak because you fall in love with, with this even more. But some some of us move on later on, and then and I moved on off of Lynch before I caught up with uh, the Elephant Man. I only watched it like a few years ago when I was already an old man. <laughs> You're not that old. I've been I've been repeatedly told like now it's kind <laughs> of like I've been ga- gaslit and and you know and. <laughs> And and uh, and manipulated into thinking that I'm just like you know I'm I'm, I'm gonna be dying soon. Send to you write my you will. Like his movies, you're so old. <laughs> yeah, get, all these listeners are gonna my... think that Jakob's on the verge of death. Like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you're I'm not. Taking... You're not. You look quite healthy and and young to me. Just saying. <laughs> Thank you. You're very nice. You're very nice. But I need to get it's my affairs. Fresh air. <laughs> I need to get my affairs in order. You know? <laughs> Yes, but uh, go on, go on. Sorry. Uh, anyway, the elephant man. <laughs> this is something that it was always to me quite weird. As in, like it's kind of like an oddball sort of outlier in David Lynch's filmography, because it's not a film that he wrote. And mm-hmm. it's like fun fact, by the way, Mel Brooks also produced The Fly. <laughs> if you're Whoa. interested, if you'd like yeah. to listen to this show in its entirety, head over to our Patreon over at patreon.com/uncutgemspod, where for three bucks a month you will get access to many more bonus podcasts from us on Uncut Gems, such as tie-ins to our main show, themed retrospectives, and comprehensive director marathons like this one. Patreon.com/uncutgemspod is the place. Head over there and subscribe. <laughs>